It's a glorious day at Declare Victory. My name is Andrew. Who's with me on the call? Good morning, Andrew. This is Diane. Happy Friday, Diane. Happy Friday. Good to hear your sound this morning. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to hear your sound, too. Amen. We are here to praise his name. Good morning, it's Susie. Happy Friday, Sister Susie. Good morning, Brother Andrew. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Good. How are how are you this morning? I'm doing great. So is, so is Rick. He's doing good too, so Excellent. 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 You have a, you have a wonderful day. You as well, sister. Thank you. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Good will during service as to the Lord and not to men. We are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify the Father, which is in heaven. Friday to clear victory. It's men's day where we stand forth to bear the banner. Who's with us on the call? Good morning. Hey, Sister Yvonne, happy Friday to you. All the time, God is good. Amen. Brother Michael, happy Friday, Brother Andrew. Hey, Brother Michael. Good to see you on the wall. Happy Friday, brother. Yeah, thank you. I'm on on my way home from Boston today. Thank you, God. Been here two weeks. Excellent. Excellent. We we pray your traveling grace and mercy as under the I blood. I appreciate it. I definitely mm-hmm. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Good. What, what what was it a good trip for you? Yeah, it's a business trip. Uh, long days, a lot of work, a lot of GPS because I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm glad it's over. Put it like that. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. We'll, we'll 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 be looking forward to your comfort in your own time zone. Thank you, sir. No problem. Good morning. This is Dr. Chris. Happy Friday. Hey, Dr. Chris. Happy Friday to you. God bless you. God bless you. It's a happy Friday to clear victory. 
we bear up the bloodstained banner today and every day. Who's with us on the call? Good morning, Sister Lisa. Happy Friday. God bless everyone. Happy Friday to you, Sister. God bless you. We're stronger for your presence. Thank you. We're here. We're here so each one can reach one, and so on and so forth. Who's with us on the call? I sent this Good link morning. out to 20 people this morning. Uh, could you repeat that, please? I sent this number, this call number out to at least 20 people this morning. <laughs> oh, excellent, excellent. This is Dr. Chris. <laughs> That, that's great to hear, Dr. Chris, because the word will do exactly what it was set up to do. Amen. And, and the Lord will grant the increase. Morning, Andrew. Sister Sylvia. Hey, Sister Sylvia. God bless you. Happy Friday. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Prosperous Pam here. Good morning. Happy Friday. Hey, Prosperous Pam. Happy Friday to you. Good morning, Thank Brother Andrew. Happy Friday. Favorite Friday. I love you, Prosperous. I love you, too. Thank you, love. I love both of y'all, so now. <laughs> love you, and too. I love all, right. all of y'all, so now. <laughs> Love this this whole family on this Friday. Amen. We feel the love. No 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 better way to break the morn than going forth with that. It's a mean and cold world out there, but the love warms us each and every day. This is Sylvia. I have a prayer request, please. Yes, Sister Sylvia. Yes, I'd like to pray for, um, her name is Pandora. She's a, a homeless lady that I've been helping for the last year. She's getting a little discouraged. She just got a, a voucher for Section 8 about a month ago, but having a hard time housed. So every time I go down to see her, she's looking really sad and she's discouraged. So just, just lift her up in prayer. So I'm trying to keep her encouraged. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. There are a lot of people that are that are burdened and discouraged because it seems like help was on the way, but it seems there are things that are getting in the way of that help. And we that know the Lord in a firmer, stronger way need to reach beyond the break and help those and encourage those that are still feeling the weight. Okay, because as we as we who have been with the Lord in, in crises know that when the blessing goes forth, it's not always coming as quickly as you think. But it still comes because his word is not short. But we need to stand with those that are waiting until the blessing materializes and help them to praise and stand forth on their faith 
so that when the blessing does materialize, there is great joy and another brother or sister is strengthened in their faith. It's very crucial that we do this so that when things are said and done, it's apparent to those that reap the blessing that the hand of the Lord has rocked us. Very important that God get the glory and not chance, not luck, not something else, but God's hand and God's will be praised. It's very crucial to us as believers, and that's how the seeds of faith spring forth. And God gets the best of that glory and honor. According to the clock on the wall, it's time we got started with our morning. And I'm going to thank you once again for joining us here at Declare Victory. My name is Andrew, and I'm going to ask everyone that can hear me to please put your phones on mute. Make sure your phone is activated with the mute feature, and it stays on mute until such time as you're asked to come off mute so that the word of the Lord not be blemished with outside noise or any distractions that the enemy would put out so that the kernels of the word be muffled and not heard. Because they shall do whatever they were sent to do and it will be accomplished according to the will and strength of the word of the Lord. Good evening again. Good morning again. My name is Andrew again. And I'm your host for the morning. Thank you for joining us here to Clear Victory. This is who we are. We're a prayer call that meets Monday through Saturday, starting at 6 a.m. Pacific time. And we're here to edify, empower, encourage, and equip you in your walk with Christ. Please feel free to invite a friend or two so they can be blessed also. Today is Men's Day. Only men are scheduled in the lineup to bless you on this day. Be sure to continue joining us daily during the month of June, our new monthly theme is entitled Order. This means that all of our declarations will be focused on our understanding of the word order according to the mind, heart, and will of God. Two announcements are before us today. Please join us for Friday Night Live, night from 6 to 7 Pacific Standard Time by calling the same number. You will most definitely be blessed. Secondly, we would like to offer you opportunity to put God first in the area of your finances. Our mission at Declare Victory is to offer sound declarations based on biblical truths, along with prayer, during the week, and outreach participation to serve our communities in need. Will you partner with Declare Victory? By giving your support to our mission, there are three ways to give. Firstly, declarevictory.org slash paypal.me. Declare Victory is the second manner. Cash app, dollar sign, I declare victory now is the third. 
I'll say that again. First way, declarevictory.org. Second way, paypal.me slash declarevictory. Third way, cash app via dollar sign, I declare victory now. We pray many blessings by our Heavenly Father in return to you for giving and trusting in Him. There were no prayer requests on the app this morning, but we're still asking for prayer for the I'm sorry, having technical difficulties. We're still asking for prayer for those prayer requests that have gone up before and are still before us this morning. We're praying for the children, as always, the children who are incarcerated, the children who are are threatened with being separated from their parents and the ones that still are separated by their parents or from their parents. We're praying for the children that are in financial distress. We're praying for the children that are in the hospitals undergoing surgery or having poor prognoses on their health. The children who are in pain, physical pain, mental pain, their souls are anguished. We're praying for the children who are being trafficked in the sexual trade. We're praying for the children who are being preyed upon by relatives or those that are just out to harm children. We're praying for the first responders, the ones that will go to these children and aid them. We pray that their hearts be opened and their ears be keen on hearing the pain that these children are either trying to hide or the pain that they're trying to express. We're praying that the adults have the strength to stand in the gap. We're praying for those that are infected with the virus, the ones that are in close proximity to that virus who have own insurance. We're praying the strength of those that deal with the children whose families don't have the finances. We're praying for the hospital workers. We're praying for the policemen, the firemen, the paramedics, the nurses, those that clean the hospitals. We're praying for all of those involved. We're praying the strength for the clergy and the burden that they face, the burden of finances when people have just lost the zeal to reach out and meet the needs of the church during the pandemic because the money is for, but the Lord asks us to give from the heart for the Lord loveth the cheerful giver. We're praying for those hearts who have stopped giving cheerfully and are more close-fisted, knowing that the blessings of the Lord are reaped by those who still have that zeal 
to please the house of God. We're praying for each other. We're praying for marriages, that they be strengthened during this trial. We're praying for each brother's heart because iron strengtheneth iron. We're praying for each sister's heart for the same. We are just lifting up our hearts that we have the strength to encourage ourselves in the word of the Lord. And we're praying for our friends, those who have helped us in the past, past, those who are going to be there for us in the future. We're praying for those who pray for us and we will never ever know their names. There's a sweetness in the children of the Lord helping each other simply because we are children of the Lord. There's beauty in obeying. The order of the call is as follows. Prayer and corporate praise will be brought by Brother Jeff. The declaration will need to be submitted by someone other than the declarer who's listed this morning. Pastor Witten cannot declare today. We're reaching forth if there is an ambassador who can declare for today. That order again. Prayer and corporate praise will be brought by Brother Jeff. Declaration which was brought, supposed to be brought by Pastor Winton cannot be this morning. If there is an ambassador with a declaration, we would ask that ambassador to step forth. Right after we will go into closing comments or the love, life and victory section immediately following. And we pray that God's word be praised and blessed. Our scripture for today is Acts chapter 18, verse 23. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his holy word. At this time, please check your phones. Make sure the mute feature is still engaged until such time as Brother Jeff asks us to come off mute, and then we will go directly into the declaration should an ambassador stand forth. I now pass the call to Brother Jeff, who leads us to the throne of grace. God bless you all. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to your name this morning, God the Father. Good morning, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. Glory to your name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for another day, Lord God. Thank you for another opportunity, Lord God, to reverence you, Lord God, to cry out to you, Lord God, and to lift up the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for your word, Lord God, that reminds us, Lord God, of all that we have 
to be grateful for, Lord God, which is much, Lord God. Thank you for your word, Lord God, that tells us, Lord God, that we shall weep, Lord God, if we faint not, Lord God. So, Lord God, we say thank you, Lord God, for this early morning rise, Lord God, where we seek your face this morning, Lord God, through prayer, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, Lord God. Seeking the kingdom of heaven first, Lord God, and this righteousness, Lord God. Thank you that you already know, Lord God, what we have need of, Lord God, before we even pray. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Glory to your name. Lord God, I thank you for your servant, your son, Brother Andrew, this morning, Lord God, and all of those things that he spoke to this morning, Lord God, those things that we are continually to pray for, Lord God, and give thanks in advance for, Lord God, for your answering, Lord God, of our prayers, Lord God. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to study, Lord God, the, your holy word, Lord God, to show ourselves approved unto you, Lord God, that we may rightly divide your holy word, Lord God, that we don't have to be ashamed of the gospel, Lord God. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, Lord God. Lord God, we cry out to you, Lord God. We want to say thank you for loving us, Lord God. It was you, Lord God, that first loved us, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. And we just want to love you back. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you, oh, hallelujah, Lord God, for the finished work of the cross, Lord God. Thank you. It is by your stripes, Lord Jesus, that we are healed, Lord God. Thank you, oh, hallelujah, Lord God, your holy word, Lord God. Lord God, we submit. Lord God, we submit unto you, Lord God, and we resist the devil, Lord God. We resist the temptation, Lord God. Glory to your name, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, Lord God. So much to be grateful for, Lord God, which is much, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord God, our soul cries out to you this morning, Lord God. Our heart cries out to you, Lord God. We just want to say thank you, Lord God, for your love, your mercy, and your grace, Lord God. Thank you for the joy, Lord God, that lives down on the inside of us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for the praise and the worship that lives down on the inside of us, Lord God. Thank you for giving us the heart and the mind, Lord God, and the courage, Lord God, to open up our mouths this morning, Lord God. Glory to your name, Lord God. This morning, Lord God, I lift up this prayer line to you, declare victory, Lord God. Every household, Lord God, every believer, Lord God, that is connected to this prayer line, Lord God, I pray your protection and covering over us, Lord God. Glory to your name, Lord God. The visionary, Lord God, of this line, Lord God, we lift her up to you this morning, Lord God. Her family and household, Bless her, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord God. Lord God, I lift up those that declare victory over our lives daily, Lord God, on this prayer line, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you pour into them, Lord God, as they pour out to us, Lord God, encouraging us, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for holiness, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for the process of sanctification, Lord God. Thank you. Oh, glory to your name, Lord God. We won't quit, Lord God. Let us not be weary, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, Lord God. Let us not faint, Lord God, or fall by the wayside, Lord God. 
Thank you for the zeal and the tenacity, Lord God, to keep going. Oh, glory to your name, Lord God. Lord God, we get excited, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Lord God. I get excited, oh, hallelujah, Lord, about your word, Lord God. Lord God, this morning I just want to pray and ask, Lord God, that you fill us, Lord God, with a fresh anointing, Lord God, our daily bread, Lord God, an overflow, Lord God, of your Holy Spirit. Glory to your name, Lord God. If there was any spoken uh, prayer requests, Lord God, that I didn't hear, Lord God, I want to lift those prayer requests up to you as well, Lord God. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we continue to pray for the children, Lord God. We continue to pray, Lord God, for our adult children, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, Lord God. Cover them as well, Lord God. We continue, Lord God, to lift up the institution of marriage, Lord God. We continue, Lord God, hallelujah, to lift up the first responders, Lord God, the, the, the police chiefs, Lord God, the mayors, Lord God, the doctors, Lord God, the nurses, Lord God. We continue, Lord God, to lift up, oh, hallelujah, Lord God, our communities to you this morning, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you that there was no gunshots running out in my neighborhood last night, Lord God. So, oh, Jesus, hallelujah, Lord God. We continue, Lord God, to pray for our cities and our state, Lord God, and this nation, Lord God, the United States of America, Lord God. Cover this nation, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to repent. Oh, hallelujah, Lord God, and turn from our wicked ways, Lord God. Lord God, I pray for the president, Lord God, on down, Lord God, to the mayor of the cities, Lord God, of this country. Glory to your name, Lord God. Lord God, we continue, I continue, Lord God, to lift up our pastors, Lord God, our missionaries. Hey, hallelujah, Lord God, glory to your name. Our evangelists, Lord God, hallelujah, Lord God, the military, Lord God. Those, Lord God, that make the sacrifice, Lord God, to be separated from their families, Lord God, to protect this nation, Lord God, our borders, Lord God, glory to your name. Uh, bless them as well, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So much to be grateful for, Lord God. Your holy word, Lord God. Victory, victory, victory. Lord God, we declare victory this morning, Lord God, individually and collectively. Hallelujah. So collectively, Lord God, let us all take our phones off of mute and collectively cry out to the, our Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Okay, Heavenly Father, we Thank you.
then he was dead because he laid his life down. He told us himself that no one took his life. He laid his life down. And since he had the power to lay it down, he also had the power to pick it up again. He's the first fruits of them who slept. Okay? We serve him. We believe in his virgin birth. And we follow him to death, even the death of the cross. Okay? But from there, we reach out in love to another. God himself told us that it was not good that man be created alone. All the animals in nature had their help meet. Okay, even the plants, the things that crawl in the seas, there was always another for each creature. And man seemed to be solitary in that. And God's like, everything else was good, but not this. This was yet undone. And so he finished what he started when he created Eve. So he said in his word, the man who got a wife got a good thing. And so the man with his wife was told to be fruitful and multiply. That is a set, a subset of the set that we call the church. So your church, your local church, is made up of families. The families that are already established, the families that are already saved, the families that you're leading to Christ, the families that have yet to be started by the singles in your church. But this is not a happenstance thing. This is not a willy-nilly thing. We're not trying to just figure it out as we go along in that sense. This is already scripted for us. And it's here culminated in what we find in Ephesians 6. So Ephesians 6 basically draws all the things from Leviticus, what Moses said, what David said in the Psalms, what Solomon echoes in Proverbs, what you see Joshua saying, all through the Old Testament, bringing into the New what Jesus spoke. And out of Paul's mouth, from Paul's pen, he is reaffirming all of this to set the order of your home. So if you had no clue, this is your clue what we have to do to have that solid God-fearing uh, sort of like honeycomb of raising the children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and also having the parents be on one accord as to marching towards pleasing God in their daily worship, service, love. Jesus said, they would know you were my disciples by the way you show love to each and every one, each other. Okay? And it's a bad testament to our witness if we can't get along with each other. I'm talking about the home. If people see chaos coming from your home, okay, that's a reflection on God. As Nathan told David, okay, God may have forgiven you, but because you did this and that this was 
basically coupling with Bathsheba and then having Nathan set in the hardest part of the battle and that the rest of the army, his fellow warriors, withdraw from him that he die. That's how Nathan was killed by David. David didn't actually strike him with the enemy's bow, but he orchestrated it so that the man had no chance. Okay, Nathan told David because he did this, he had given the enemies of the Lord great occasion to blaspheme. So they were laughing at God, not David, or that David was a man after God's own heart. And they were laughing at God because he picked poorly. Now, when you see that phrase, a man after God's own heart, think of it this way. A lot of people think that that meant David was the template. He was the stencil for the man that God would want every man to be. You need to take it further and sort of like shave off some of those rough endings and grind them down until they're smooth. David was a man after God's heart because he thought God's heart, not that he was perfect. The only perfect man was the God man. And he was in prayer constantly. David wasn't like that. But David did seek God's heart. When he was out there with the sheep playing instruments, someone had to teach him how to play. Unless he was a, a genius with music, and the Bible never says he was, someone had to teach him how to play stringed instruments. Someone had to t teach him how to pray, how to play, I'm sorry, percussion instruments. Getting into the music just a tad, there are two types of instruments that we can play. One is tempered, one is non-tempered. When you think of tempered music uh, instruments of music, you think of those that are built according to a particular standard, and one is made just like the other. So you can have strict harmony with these manufactured instruments. Think of a trumpet. Think of a cornet. Okay, then for those of you who are uh, learned in music theory, you know that a B-flat trumpet and a B-flat cornet can play the B flat in the concert scale and have those two tones be the same. Whereas in non-tempered instruments, you can build a drum and you won't get the same sound out of the second drum you make unless you use the same animal skin and the same wood and you make it the same size. Because nature is going to uniquely gift the wood with a certain resonance, the same thing with the particular skin when you dry it and stretch it. So each drum will sound different. It can still play pretty music, but you will have to mix and measure and group them a particular way if you want a particular sound. And that sound will always change, especially how the drum ages, how well you keep the wood. Whereas with the tempered instruments, you know, they're going to be made of brass, they're going to be made of wood, 
they're pretty much going to sound the same with the same skilled person playing. So someone had to teach David how to make the instruments and how to play them. And he took that a step further. So God's hand was on him. And it's beautiful how God brings you from here to where you need to be. It's not always easy. It's often painful, but God will still take you from point A to point B. Now, the beauty of this journey is that you don't make it by yourself. You make it within the framework of the family. That's the way it's supposed to be because from, from the beginning, Adam took us on a journey, the first Adam. He maybe didn't intend it, didn't think of it to go that far, but God created Adam for Eden. Eden was bigger than the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve lived in the garden, so they had access to all of Eden because all the animals presented themselves to Adam to be named in Eden. Well, Eden had the, was, was too large to have all of those animals in the same setting, but the garden was where Adam was supposed to till and keep dressed. So outside of the garden, the plants and trees grew according to God's distribution. Within the garden, Adam had distributed rights where this tree was going to be planted, where these plants, these fruited, fruited bushes would be planted. Adam had his own little section. When he fell, he had to leave that particular section where the plant, the ground would not yield like it did in the garden, that there'd be animals competing with the fruit he grew out here, not like it would have been in the garden. So with all of that being mentioned, Paul is telling us how that subset of the church needs to be ordered because the church needs to be ordered. You can't just do anything in any kind of way in the church because you see it as a quicker way, a more streamlined way of getting it done. There's decency and order with everything God commands us, and we need to adhere to the listing that he gives us when we do so. Can't just do it any kind of way. Can't just come to him any kind of way. Okay? This is how we order ourselves in our homes before we present them to the Lord. Verse 1 in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, let's let's stop there. When you go to, to the store 
and you see a child falling out in the aisle, okay, that is not of God. Let me say that again. To the parents who think it's too cute that their child is vocal, is going to tell you what's on their mind, is going to just fall out with a tantrum because at that moment they're not happy. They want their binky. They want their candy. They don't want to be in the store. They're hot. They're thirsty. They just want to go. That's not cute. That's not of God. Because Paul tells us in verse 1, children, you guys listening, little ones, obey your parents in the Lord. But this is right. Now, the parents, you'll find this <laughs> later on and not that far down the line, that the parents have to be instructing the children in the Lord. Okay? You're not right because you can get loud. You're not right because you're so much bigger. You have to command your children. You have to order your house in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Period. That same standard that that is laid upon the child is laid upon you. Even more so because you have to order the child in the way that God said they should be ordered. If you don't, you wield the heavy weight of God's chastisement. So if David was to be a king, but nobody in David's home showed him how to be a decent shepherd, then he was going to be a poor king because a king is a shepherd of the people before the Lord in a structure where God is the king. In a theocracy, the overseer of us is going to be a shepherd. That he's supposed to stand in the gap between us and danger because God does so. Verse 2, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long in the earth. Okay, that's the first whammy. You're to honor your father and mother. Note that it doesn't say, honor thy godly father and mother. It doesn't say, honor thy godly father and your virtuous mother. It doesn't say that. So whatever, whatever father God gave you, whatever mother you were gifted with, you must honor them, period. It may look differently in some cases. It may be a whole lot tougher in others. And yet, verse 2 says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Okay, so if that doesn't mean every young child or every young adult who gets taken to the other side is not honoring their mother and father. You can't just make that at assumption. But for those that don't honor their father and mother, their life is going to be shorter. Only the Lord knows how long their ordained life is to be. But rest assured, God's word does not come back to him void. So if he says, if you don't honor your father and mother, the converse of the promise is what you reap, that if you don't honor your father and mother, your life will be shorter. 
trust me, it's going to be shorter. Whatever that time was, you're going to back that up. You can see that applied in the scriptures. When uh, Aaron's son, his two older sons, brought strange fire into the tabernacle, what happened to them? They died instantly. And God told Moses and Aaron, don't you even pray at mourning them. I told them not to. They did. They're done. Eliezer is next up. Okay, and Eliezer was very quick to understand when we don't deal with strange fire. Okay, the, the, the flame that never goes out, okay, we make other fire from that fire. We don't bring fire from outside of the tabernacle in. Because we saw what happened when you did. Verse 4 deals with the fathers. Now, verse 1 said, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 4 says, okay, you fathers who are dealing with the sons, okay, provoke not your children to wrath. Okay, but like I said, because you're big does not mean you're in charge. Because you're loud doesn't mean you're right. Okay, there's a standard for you regarding how well you wield the rod of chastisement. Okay. Sometimes you just need to back up because God is merciful to us. You must be merciful to your children. As God is lenient to us and long-suffering, you must also be long-suffering to the children. But Solomon tells you that you need to chastise your son and you not spare for his crying because it won't kill him, but you'll spare his soul. So there's that corrective rod that you need to utilize. And it's, it's more important for us as parents, especially as fathers, to know when to use it and to when we cease it. Okay, because every dumb thing you ever did, God doesn't like stop what he's doing and spank you for it. Okay, every sin gets dealt with, but that's where mercy and grace come through. And for you to be harder on your children than God is hard on you, there is something off kilter that way. Because those who would be merciful shall obtain mercy. So if you're really tough on your children, and then yet you want God to forgive you of, you know, these clandestine affairs that you may be weak to, there's something off kilter. And I'm not poking at anybody's sin. This covers me too. There is a tight lane for you to be in as a parent. Okay, because in, in my experience, and other parents, if they think about it clearly, they will find this to be the same. Children will mirror your best qualities. They amplify your worst. So there's little things that, you know, unnerve or bother people about you. They have more of that in them. 
And when you see that, that will, that will stick you. That will make you a little angry because you're going to want to get that out of them. And they got that from you. They got that from watching you. They got that from listening to you. Just like you got it from the environment that you were brought in. A philosopher would say no individual is isolated from his experience. Okay? There are two types of knowledge. And the Latin for those is a priori and a posteriori. You have knowledge from reason and you have knowledge from experience. And if you get your knowledge from experience, that's what you soak in from what you hear and what you say and what happens to you on the periphery, regardless of what you hear being said in church, because that's when it really gets sticky. When the kids get old enough to realize that the Bible says X, but all I experience at home is Y, then you start doubting God or, well, it's okay to say this. It's okay to say X, but we really live Y. And then you have problems later on when sin encroaches the door and things get dicey and the cares of the world start to enclose you. Uh, so where does this leave the child who's not a child anymore from that point on? It can be traced back to the parents living loosely. And you, when you stand before the Lord, you're going to have to answer for that. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That means if you teach it, you've got to walk it. If you walk it, you've got to live it. If you live it, then you're accountable to those you live over or around. So when you're wrong, you have to go to your children and say, I'm sorry. You can't be removed from that because you're big. You can't squelch that because you're loud. And it's because of what you say, because you're, because you're the parent. You know, I raised you, et cetera, et cetera. That's not how we do business. And, and God is listening. God is watching. And so are the kids. But by the same token, you as a child, if your parent says, you know, X is better, we need to do X, but maybe the parent isn't strong enough to do just X, that doesn't give the child reason to be slack about trying to achieve X. The standard is the standard. If God says, this is what I need, this is what he meant. He's not playing games with us. And whether you can do better than your daddy at this particular thing in the walk, do better. Don't rub your dad's nose in it. Don't look down on your dad because he wasn't as strong as you. Bring him with you. Pray his strength. Pray for his mind to be enlightened as his heart will be soft and receiving. You can minister to your parent. You can minister to your children. Again, the home is the subset of the church. The church is no stronger than its weakest family. Because the question is, why are those families weak? You're going to spend all your money going to Africa, Asia, the Pacific Rim, and all places 
north and south of the border in South America, and yet you got families in your church that need you, that need your tutelage, and you ignore them because, hey, all I do is set the table. If you don't eat, not my fault. That should be the furthest thought of you. You can't drag people to the living water. You can bring it to them. And if they're in your neighborhood, it's cheaper than going halfway across the world. Because the Bible tells us that charity, that love, needs to be expressed at home first. Before you reach out, because home is going to be your strictest area of conflict. Jesus himself said that a prophet is not is honored everywhere except his own and around his people. Why is that? Well, because we saw you when. We remember when you did the transition and we see what other people don't see. So uh, as my dad would say, don't hang that wash for that wash ain't clean. So we know who you are and we don't buy it all. We're not like them. And they may bring that to your faith. Okay, you've got to let the life you live trump that. If you if you forgive me for using that verb, you have to let the life you're living speak for you. That's a sea law moment. But someone is always seeing, someone always knows, and you have to leave your legacy and keep moving. Verse 5 talks about servants. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, verses 5 and 6, coupled with some other, as my parents would say, some other hooey was how the slaves were indoctrinated in the antebellum system, which is very different from slavery per se in the Bible and slavery as practiced elsewhere in the world. They were indoctrinated to, you can't escape everything your master tells you, you have to do, even the stuff that doesn't involve being sinless. Why? Because Jesus said, you know, and it's not Jesus, this is Paul talking, that be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. So what your master tells you, you have to do. What they did with the slaves in the antebellum system is they took, they basically cut and pasted certain verses in books out of the Bible, and they would only teach the slaves stuff in the slaves' Bible. First of all, the slaves weren't allowed to read. And second of all, the master was unquestioned. So this is what the Bible says. And this is what you remember. And, and it was wrong. They also taught that when Noah got drunk and his one son, Ham, saw his, looked upon his nakedness and laughed, that God sobered Noah up and Noah looked at his son and cursed him and God changed him into 
a black man. This is what I was told, not in my home, but people in the church still believe that. And that's ridiculous. First, firstly, the, the scriptural text says that Noah said, cursed be the sons of Ham, for they shall serve his brothers. That's what the Bible says. But the people in the antebellum system wanted it to be understood that, oh, no, that's why we have slaves, because we're doing the will of God. I mean, God said it was going to be like this. We're just, uh, just, you know, just doing his will. And then they took it and they ran with it and never really questioned that anymore. And that's just wrong. You know, the book of Philemon was not included in Slaves Bible, which tells uh, from the pen of Paul that when Onesimus, the, the escaped slave, goes back to Philemon, and if, you, and if you're not familiar, Onesimus was a slave uh, owned by Philemon, and Philemon was was mean or cruel to him to a certain extent, and Onesimus ran away, and lo and behold, he runs into Paul, and Paul just happened to know who Philemon was, and with respect to Onesimus and him staying with Paul, Paul converted him, and Onesimus was a Christian man now, and Paul told him to go back, but go back with this letter. And he explains to Philemon in his letter that this man is returning to you, but he's returning a brother in Christ. You're a brother in Christ. This is how you deal with him. Okay? Can't mistreat him. So there's a different standard, just like the subset of the family is part of the church you as a servant you are if your servant is christian and you are christian you have to mirror that father son mother daughter dynamic you have to do that there's no other way to do it you don't harm the little ones literally literally and figuratively the little ones meaning children or little ones in knowledge. The ones that are still learning don't know it all. You can hoodwink them pretty easily. You still have to meet the standard of kindness, of mercy, of grace, of long suffering. Have to. Because if you ride them too hard, then again, you won't obtain mercy because you're not being merciful. You're not pure of heart because you're taking advantage of them. And that will continue to hamstring you later. And when you praise the Lord, he's not hearing you because David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if you mistreat your servant, things will not go as well with you as you hoped. Those blessings that were earmarked for you in Deuteronomy 28, they're going to be uh, flimsy if they happen at all simply because you're mistreating someone else and these sins are laid at your door and not someone else's and god just like he did with the hebrews 
will prosper the people underneath you in your sight, but you won't reap those benefits. Just like he did with Isaac. Just like he did with Jacob, especially when Jacob was working for his uncle Laban. Every time Laban tried to shortchange him, God prospered him. Okay, so God's hand is not slack. And every time you read pick any book in the Bible, you see God blessing the ones that were overlooked or the ones that were over attacked. Okay, verse six says, not with eye services, men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So that means that even if you messed up, your heart was pure, your intent was pure, you didn't do this by yourself. And it's, it's important to have that noted because God looks at your motive. You may do something, let's call it X again. You may do X and X may benefit 60 families like the like the turkeys at Thanksgiving, you you may do that, and families get blessed because of that. And yet, you tell other people that you did. You know, our church gives away turkeys for Thanksgiving. We help sixty families. Awesome. But what Jesus tells us that we're supposed to give alms in such a way that our left hand doesn't know what our right hand just did. We don't bring that up. And then the God who sees in secret will reward us openly. So he'll make your church prosperous. The individual subsets of that church, the families, will do better so that when they tithe, they will increase the amount of funds in the storehouse of the Lord. And so when people are in trouble, they can run to the church. And what better place to run where people's hearts are are lifted up and they yearn for you? We've been praying for you even before we knew who you were. And the cares of life brought you to our door. We'll be happy to help. You need help with your bills? Cool. God understands. And if you misuse our funds, if, if you come when you know, your bills are due and you just don't pay them. God knows that too. And though we don't throw money away, God understands and those with discernment that sit on these boards, they should know. Because you have to look at the way God does things. When Jesus prayed all night and then the next day picked his disciples he picked Matthew also. Matthew was a professional financier. Okay, he sat at the as a tax collector. He knew money. He knew exchange rates. He was good at what he did. Okay? And yet, Jesus didn't give him the money bag. He gave it to Judas. If you were going to do things just on earthly worth, <clears throat> then... Matthew should have had the money. Matthew was better than everybody else with money. 
and yet Matthew didn't have the money bag. So after praying all night, his earthly qualifications weren't used. That tells us something. That's another Selah moment. Let that sit with you. So maybe in on the on the board of benevolence, you don't have you know Brother Richard who was president of the bank. Maybe you don't have him sitting there because maybe he's been maybe he's been president of the president of the bank so long that he doesn't necessarily have the proper mercy or sense of understanding of the, the young couple that is swimming in debt because they were trying to impress the neighbors. Maybe he doesn't understand because he's been away from frivolous spending for so long. And you need somebody who was caught in that trap to be in a position to counsel and help rather than having things just kind of like swirl and condemnation and you know you just chide them for a half an hour before you offer to help them just some things to remember verse 8 with goodwill doing service as to the lord and not to men so we're again going back to pleasing god rather than men men will do things every which way every which way okay god has a particular way of doing things that is where the order part comes in the decency part comes in okay you're going to respect the dignity of the person that you're helping you don't make them feel like they're not worthy of the help but you give it anyway you don't give them a speech before you feed them. If you see the man is hungry, you feed the man. Jesus doesn't tell us if you see a man, when you saw me hungry, you fed me. He doesn't say when you saw me hungry, you asked me, did I want a sandwich? You knew I was hungry. Just feed me. He says when you see your enemy naked you clothe him he doesn't say okay well you weren't all that nice to me once upon a time or specify the particular incident and i probably shouldn't be doing this there are a whole lot of people that said we shouldn't even be having this conversation but you know god don't like ugly he doesn't say to do that if you see them naked clothe them he doesn't even tell you that they will stop being your enemy if you do this he just said if you see it if you see the need, meet the need. And later on, you feed you feed fiery coals on their head. It will go worse for them because they were your enemy. That touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm runs up into them. And so those that's why we're supposed to pray for our enemies because when they hurt us and we ask for God to bless them, we're trying to be merciful to them because the whammy is coming. Fiery coals on their heads. And where, other than your feet, where else would the fiery coals burn as hot and hurt as much 
as if not on your scalp, which would also inflame your hair, your headdress. Okay, you can't get away from that kind of pain because it's up there and you can't even see where to snuff it out. Very problematic, very painful. And this is coming to all the people that are your enemies, even the people in the church. That touch not my anointed works with the deacon board, just like it works with the neighbors who play their music too loud. And they know that you have to, you know, they know that you're a surgeon and you know you need to get to sleep. They don't care. It's Friday. Like, live it up, man. Why are you so stressed? That old sway. Okay, that also works in the family. Okay, if your wife is anointed and you are less anointed or you just aren't really in with that Christian thing, but she's cool to still live with you. So she's not trying to divorce you, but she just got saved. And if you face that and you're still mean to her, if you make it hard for her and she's a praying woman, okay, you have to deal with those prayers and how God protects her. That works with your children. Okay? You don't put your stress, you don't stretch your hand against mine anointed. Period. That works with you at work. And your boss is looking at you funny. You just pray for them and mean it. And if you do those two things, God's got your back. Even if you move from that job and go somewhere else, the word of the Lord is not short. It will do what it was accomplished to do. But we do that to please God for all the things that God said to adhere to and why, and not worrying about if people see it. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So whatever God has intended for that blessing, you're going to get it, regardless of your status, regardless if you're like high and lifted up, or if you're like way down there among the dregs, you know, it'd be like, it'd be great if everybody in the nation had PhDs and MDs. Somebody's got to fix your plumbing. Which one of the MDs becomes a plumber? Well, if you get other people who don't have those lofty degrees, are you going to look down on them? Just until you need your sink fixed or your uh, toilet needs unplugged? Is, is that only the time when you're nice to them? Something is wrong if it is, because we're supposed to operate in this world with compassion, with longing. These prayers we pray for the unsaved, these prayers we pray for the people that uh, are hurting and angry, they're not just to sort of like pray indiscriminately for those faces and names unknown. These are people that we know, and we have to pray for the unknown folks also. But at some point, we're going to come into contact with them. We can't shy away from that. This is our daily interaction. And that's the important part. That's the human part. That's when we put 
you know, you can't lay hands on somebody and then just like not want to touch them. You can't do that. We have to have a human element to it. And we need to embrace that. <clears throat> Period. Because we need to love people. Because that's one thing the earth is still producing. It's people. And Satan, Satan will deal with them if you don't love them. And Satan hates everything God loves. And John 3.16 says, God loved the entire world. We're told that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay, so Satan is going to deal with everybody the Lord puts down here. And if we don't love them and snatch them away from that evil influence, it's going to go really badly for them. And then we will get charged. Why didn't we reach out to them? What do you say to God then? Then you deal with God not being pleased with you. Maybe God starts to yell at you like he yelled at Job and things not be so blessed for you. Something to consider. And finally, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This works at the job. This works at the church. This works at home. You put on the whole armor of God. Paul at no point tells you to take it off. He doesn't instruct you what to take off and in which order. He tells you to put it on. You keep it on. Once you get it on, now it's just maintenance. But you don't take it off. You don't take it off when you deal with your son who is too serious about the older girl who does not have his well-being at, at, at heart. She's just going to use him for her own benefit. This is working for your daughter who's trying to be too grown for her age. This is about your wife who's saying that it's okay for her daughter, your daughter too, to wear clothes that make her look older because, you know, that's what girls her age do. And you don't want her to feel, you know, left out and out of the club. But you know that older men are seeking to be predators and will tell that girl what they think she wants to hear, what she's not hearing from her own dad at home. Your daughters need to hear that they're pretty out your mouth before she hears it in the street. Your son needs to know that mommy finds him strong and smart and handsome and he's a good man. He's a good boy before he hears it out in the street. That's when, that's when things start to get murky and children listen. They listen to everything because they have their hearts on their sleeves. And depending on how, how, uh, how, how noisy life is at home in terms of 
a lack of peace, they're going to run to wherever there is peace to be found. And if that's with people that don't have their best interests at heart, so be it. We have to guard we who are the men in the family, we who have the power to shape our homes need to keep that in mind as we protect those we love and we present us them all before the throne of God. That concludes my uh, declaration this morning. I'm sorry I ran too long. I promised I wouldn't be long, but I apologize. If there's anyone still on the line that didn't get a chance to say good morning, please take your time now. Good morning, Andrew. That was a great declaration, Carla. Thank you, Carla. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Good morning. Great declaration, Monica. Good morning, Monica. Happy Friday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning. It's Persistent Priscilla. Great declaration. Thanks for stepping in. Enjoyed it. Oh, thank you, Sister Priscilla. Happy Friday. Good morning, Andrew. It's Miss B. Good to hear you sound. Great declaration. Thank you, Sister. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Good morning. This is Juanita. Great declaration. Thank you, Sister Juanita. Happy Friday. Is there anyone else? Good morning, Brother Andrew. Happy favorite Friday. You are just a buffet of word. Thank God for your declaration. Thank you, Sister. Happy Friday. Hey, uh, Brother Andrew. Yes, ma'am. It's Didi. I laugh because you remind me of one of our pastors because he always says the same thing. Oh, I'm not going to be before you long. And the whole congregation laughs because no matter what he does, it's but it's good. It's food. But we're like, okay, Pastor Brown, you're not gonna, you're gonna get it. But he never finishes, so we know uh-huh. that the next time he's up, he's gonna continue to where he um, left off. So thank you. I wanted to just say, because I'm at the school real quick, when you talked about the order and you talked about have your house in order, how that that do just that really blessed me because I can remember just growing up and you know people are at all this stuff, they're doing all the church work, church work, but their houses are so out of order. So how are you praying, preaching, doing all this other stuff, and your house is running amok? That's why you have to, I'm glad you, you brought that up. And then I was listening, and I remember as a child sitting there as a morning glory. Some of y'all may know what a morning glory is. I grew up in a Methodist church. Sitting there, if you, they put you in chairs in front of the, the, the mother of the church. And so I can remember hearing some of the old saints say, you know, you got to get yourself in order. You got to get yourself together. You can't go to God any kind of way. That did something to me, right? So it made me really think yeah. about what that meant. So when you said that, it's just like David being a God, being a man after God's own heart. How else do you go? Whosoever will let him come. So I'm just saying, for me, it threw me into a, a, a tailspin. So for a while, I was thinking all these things I had to do to get ready to go to God instead of saying, no, whosoever will just let him come. Come, baby, and I'm going to clean you, but I'm going to draw you to me so that you will come. 
So I just think that when we say that, because I've heard it said on the call before, for people who really don't understand, we have to make sure we're not getting anybody confused and saying that you got to get all this stuff together first and get in order before you can go to God. Whosoever will let them come. That's all I want to say. I love you. Thank you for that word. And you know what? We always know when you're up, we're going to sit on back and sip on our tea and just listen. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Didi. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I... Uh... I was always taught that you you know the 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 hymn that most churches don't sing anymore just as I am just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and then thou didst bid me come to thee O lamb of god I come I come just like the way when where you find yourself in sin you present yourself before the Lord. That's how he wants you, because he will work on you. You are now a lump of clay on the wheel, and the wheel starts to spin. And you cry out while the spinning is, like, save me, Lord. Then his hands go on you, and they shape you. If the first shaping isn't what he wants, he squishes you, puts you back on the wheel. And that's how all our lives are, you know, we're only finished when he takes us off of the shelf. He puts the glaze on us and he heats it. And then he puts us where he needs us. That's when it's over. But a lot of people forget that you used to be on the wheel. And a lot of old saints, when I was growing up in the church, a lot of the old saints would act like they'd never been, they never seen the wheel. That they was born saved and they lived saved. And they've been saved all day. It's like, no, because like my pastor used to say, everybody's talking about the, about the, but the young ones, you know, going around messing stuff up. But that hole, that big hole in the wall, an old rat cut that hole. Wasn't the young folks doing everything they were big enough to do because they weren't that big enough to do much. You, on the other hand, yeah. And so people tend to, be more critical of others and forget their own missteps. And and we as parents can't do that. I mean, like you, you parent, but you parent from the word and you parent from the heart. You don't try to spare them. You don't try to overwork them. Again, like you don't go out of your way to make your fathers can't go out of the way to make their sons angry you, you don't get mean with him because you want to make him tough okay you're not lenient with her because you want her to be sweet that's not why you do it you do it to prevent you do it to encourage to build up not tear down the world is going to do enough to tear them down home should be and i'm going to hit you with some latin again a sanctum sanctorum a special place where everybody is free to just be. This is where we can relax. This is where everybody loves us. The bubble is up. You're safe here. That's what home should be. You shouldn't come home when everybody else is being, you know, mean to you and get sniped at at home. That's not, you know, that's not how it should be. Consequently, you still have to take the garbage out at home. You don't get days off from home. There's not a day goes by that I wasn't a son 
in my father's house. So I still had to attend to the sonly duties. I couldn't talk to my dad. My dad would always be there to help me with my problems. I couldn't, you know, his name was Herbert. I couldn't say, hey, Herb, can we talk a minute? He was still my dad. I couldn't approach him in any other way than a humble son glad to talk to his father. I couldn't act like his buddies at work because I wasn't his buddy at work. Even if I worked at the same place as my dad, he's still my, he's my father everywhere we go. The only time that he's not my father is if I'm pastor of the church and he's a deacon. Then the role is reversed. Okay. Outside of that, when I go to his house after church meeting, I'm the son again. So we need to understand our roles, but also never forget our obligations. And again, the world is watching. And we got to act like we know the world is watching rather than, oh, scandal, you know, such and such a minister, you know, is, you know, he's caught in something else. And people say, mm -hmm, another one of those mega churches, and they blaspheme God's name. That's when it's difficult because then Christians are look, looking like, you know, at their shoes, at their, at their, at the ground sheepishly because people are laughing at God. And you'll note in the media, Christianity is the only faith they laugh at, that and Catholicism. They don't laugh at the others. They actually like respect the others. But anytime anybody wants to make fun of Christianity in a sitcom, in a cartoon, they do. And what does the church do? Just sits back quiet and take it. It's not a good witness. Anybody else with any comments, questions? That was so good, Andrew. Um, it just really reminded me, um, even on yesterday, I had took my my grandkids to Six Flags, and this is going to be short, I promise. Um, but it just really reminded me on this morning because, you know, God has, when, even when, you know, your kids or your grandkids, they do things, and they'll, it'll remind you very much of how you used to be. And so often we we tend to forget that we were kids too. And even when they were two and they're teenagers, sometimes they, they try you. Yes, they do. But the same yep. thing that you did, you know, um, God wants you to be the same way as he is with you. And it's all about grace. And I remember on yesterday, like I said, we had like probably 15 kids because of my granddaughter's birthday. So, you know, 15 teenagers, and they're all, everybody got something they want to do, trying to keep them uh -huh. all together. And it's COVID, you know, so yeah. you're really trying to, you know, make sure that they're um, following, you know, protocol with the, with the uh, park and all that type of stuff. And so um, really quickly, um, my granddaughter, she started getting very, um, uh, she was sad because she wanted everyone to kind of do what she wanted them to do. Because it's her birthday, mm -hmm. even though she's yeah. turning 13. <laughs> you know how kids, you know, and then, you know, some kids, they kind of want to do some other things. And I had to explain to her, as well as the other kids, 
that the same way that they would expect um, each other to treat, you know, to uh, someone to treat them, they have to remember that uh, they needed to treat them, you know, treat each other the same way that they expected to be treated. And, you know, I had to catch myself probably like twice because it was like, you know how you notice something. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. No, 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 wait. And you're still trying to, to um, you know, make sure that they're doing the right things at the same time. So, you know, I just, I appreciate this message. It was right on point. It definitely reminded me. And it, it was really encouraging because I knew what I was doing was correct. But even in that process, sometimes we get, um, we get um, uh, um, turned off by the attitude that you may see, right? And sometimes that attitude is, like I said, is the very thing that God wants you to cultivate so that they can, so that they can learn just like you did. So the grace, mm-hmm. you know, more than anything. But thanks again for just, you know, the confirmation and the reminding. Oh, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for what you just said. I I I remember uh, when I was uh, a younger father, and my little ones. I, I have two boys, and they are eighteen months apart. And so, the uh, with, with respect to to my children, the younger one was. It was almost like he was switched at birth, in terms of the two brothers. Uh, my youngest one was sharper and bigger and stronger than the oldest one. The oldest one was taller and more extroverted. The younger one was introverted. Uh, same mom, you know, my, my wife had had, 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 had two uh, really awesome little boys with me. Now, uh, the youngest one was playing and we were at my dad's house. My mom, my mom is in the kitchen, uh, just like putting the finishing touches on, uh, on our Sunday dinner. And I'm, you know, sitting there chatting with my dad, watching a football game. And my mom had told the boys and they were maybe like four and going on six. And the little one is Tyler. And Grandma tells Tyler and Herbie, the oldest one, don't go over here, okay, because something there could hurt you. We don't want you to pull it down on yourself. Okay, so Grandma says, stay away from this. Okay, of course, Tyler hears that. Yes, Grandma. And then goes over where she said, don't go. Because, like, after a while, he either forgets or doesn't care. And what I do is, like, uh, I drop my voice an octave, and I raise it, and I tell him to get away from that. And as soon as he hears me bellow, he drops down on his button, he's a big old boy, and he starts, you know, that lower lip starts to quiver, the tears start squirting <laughs> out, and he's wailing in the floor. And then he runs to me with his arms outstretched, and I pick him up, and I explain to him that, you know, Grandma said, stay away from, you know, the plant. It could hurt you if it hits you. And he's like, you know, huffing and, you know, you know, his nose is running. So we clean him up and, you know, we hug out and 
you know, his brother comes over and patting him on his back and asking me, you know, what's the matter with Tyler? And I explain and, you know, Tyler wipes his eyes and they go Tom Loth and, you know, play like they were playing before. Like nothing ever happened. And my dad is smiling and he's looking at me and he says, I wonder what he sees when he looks at you. And for me, hearing that, I was like, like, you know, like, yeah, I love you, Dad, but that's, that's, that's kind of a stupid question. He sees his father just like I did when I was his age looking at you. And I said something, you know, not that disrespectful, but I said the same thing to my dad. Like, he sees his daddy just like I did. He's like, no, 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 that's not what I mean. And he says, like, you're a big man. You're a big guy. And from his perspective, what does he see when he looks up at you? You've got to be a giant to him. And I was like, whoa, never thought of it like that. And while my dad was still talking, I kind of wasn't listening. I was still, you know, dealing with the fact that, you know, you're right. And why am I being the weenie and not ever thinking about that before? I have to be a giant to my son. Like, I don't want to hurt his spirit when I scold him. And so from that point on, I would watch just how, you know, histrionic I was when I dealt with my, with my child verbally. Because you can bruise their spirit. And I don't want to do that. I didn't want to get them to the point where, you know, uh, they would rather not tell me if they did something harmful or they were in trouble because they feared my reaction more than the consequences of what they did. I want them always to be able to run to me. Okay. And if it was dumb, then we'll both deal with it together. But I don't want you feeling that you can't talk to your dad. And so that that just that five-minute adventure immensely changed how I parented. That didn't mean that I wouldn't spank him for willful disobedience, because God does that to us, but it involved a whole lot more mercy than I would have initially dispensed, because my dad told me who was, I thought he was the greatest dad around. He just said, hey, like, remember how he looks at you. Just like that. You know, we went back watching the football game, but, I mean, I can hear that in my head just like it was yesterday. You know, and that young little boy is like 26 right now. Still stuck with me. Now, I don't have any grandkids, but when I get them, that will stick with me then as well. And I'll remind him. And now you remember when you were your age, when you were his age, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you got to keep that in mind. And so God has us have those moments when we remember that we had a connection. We walked those same steps. We're not supposed to be mean to the kids. We're supposed to have them blossom underneath us, have them grow strong and straight and love God, understand who he is. I'll add one more thing. Uh, My son was, the youngest son was 
about like three, maybe maybe a little bit older, four, four and a half. But he was still in that, you know, little boy stage. He wasn't yet in school. And he was still at the stage when I brought soft toys for him to play with in church. You know, so he could be sitting in a pew, occupy his thoughts with some stuff. I had a, a little kid's Bible because my mom taught me how to have him teach him how to read, you know, when he was three. And it's an amazing method. But so, you know, he had a children's Bible. He had toys. Uh, his uh, brother was in the choir, so wasn't sitting with us. And the, the pastor is preaching about Isaiah 53, talking about the crucifixion. And he's just reading the scriptures and going on and on. And my son, just like, he's still playing. And then he looks me in the face. Like, like he's like three and four, three or four years old. And he looks me in my face and he says, Daddy, is Reverend Johnson talking about me? I'm like, what? Is that going to happen to me? And I just blurted out without really thinking. Oh, no, he, that happened to Jesus when they crucified him. He's like, okay. Went back to playing his toys. And <clears throat> that stuck with me again. And at the end of the service, I went over to the first lady because my pastor and his wife were my friends. They weren't. They were my dad's mom's age, but they embraced me like their son. And we were we were just really, really tight. And I told Sister Johnson what happened. And she said, you know, the Lord is marvelous or to some extent that. And I told the pastor and he said, see, that's why I tell parents don't take the kids to, you know, children's church. You let them sit under the gospel because you don't know when the gospel is going to the Holy Spirit is going to start speaking to that child. Now, that boy sat there and knew what I was talking about. So you you keep that in mind. And I never forgot it. And he looked up knowing exactly what Reverend was meaning. And Reverend didn't doctor it down so a child could understand. He spoke it word for word from the scriptures. And that just amazed me that he gave it, that little boy gave it that much thought. And then when he found out that, okay, like you're not going to be crucified, he's like, okay. And he wasn't scared when he asked me. He's like, is that going to happen to me? You know, because, you know, I'm in this with you. Is that going to happen to us? He didn't even ask if I was in it. Was that going to happen to me? And I said, he's talking about what happened to Jesus. Oh, okay. So all the things that I told him about Jesus, he remembered. All the things that my mom and my dad told him about Jesus, he remembered. <laughs> and he put it together with respect to what the Bible was saying happened to Jesus. So he knew it was going to happen to somebody. He just needed to know who was that me. So God will lay little reminders in your path, if not to make sure you're paying attention, to ensure that you don't forget how important those little minds and hearts are and you don't get days off. Yes. And that's, that's, that's exactly. And I, it really blessed my heart because, 
it was like, you know, God was like, you know, how I picked you up and I carried you along the journey is the same thing we do with our young people. And it's it's so amazing, you know, when you see them, you know, because when I look at my daughter, you know, yeah, you know, so many different things. You you know when God is, and she's now doing some of the things that I do when she was growing up, you know, and playing with her and just all those different things she's doing with her own children and her children's friends and all these different things. And it's just really encouraging to, to see that because so often as parents, we forget, right? So God will remind us. And, you know, as grandparents, he really lets us see like the many things, right, if we're really listening. And I think so often we, we forget or we, we go in anger versus um, stepping back and allowing God to speak and use you in those very teachable moments. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you this morning. And I'm going to get off here. <laughs> Bye. Oh, thank you, sister. Thank you very much. This is Sister Misa. Oh, great decoration. And this this last night, uh, my granddaughters, they're twins, and they're 14. And then I have a 26-year-old grandson, and I had to, like I told you before, I had to go back to him, and he was just cussing like a sailor. And he said to me, as I said before, where do you think I got it from? And then I was just like, wow, because that's all he knew of me when I, the old Lisa and so I told him, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm not cussing. I haven't cussed. Uh, this has been about a month now. <laughs> I haven't cussed. Mm-hmm. I just started praying and I've been leaving, but he's still cussing. But I know that I can't, I, I, I was getting upset, but I can't change him. I mean, no, God has to, I have to pray for him because I have to keep showing him that I'm not cussing um, so that, you know, God can save my grandchildren. And then my 14-year-old granddaughters, I'm, I was trying to, like, everywhere they got to go, I want to keep them in my car, you know, not letting them catch the bus, not letting them, you know, because of the fear of I'm going back again. And, this, and I had to say, God, please forgive me, hollering at them, like, this could happen to you out here, what happened to me, but that's not right, right? that I can't do that because God showed me grace and mercy and therefore I need to show them blood instead of hollering at them, telling them what not to, you know, not to do in anger, but in love. And so I had to pray and then I had to go and look, girls, I just want to tell you, I love you, but I trust you and that I just want you to make the right decisions. And so I'm asking, you know, is this, uh, yeah, it's not right for me to be hollering at them and telling them because I went through it, right? But I want them to be safe. You get what I'm saying? Uh, uh, <clears throat> uh not, 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 not. I, I don't entirely know what you, what you're asking. Are you saying like that? Like, like, yeah, like what are you advise, What are you advising them not to do? You know, like, um, far as this internet thing, you know, you they're they're fourteen. And so when you on, I don't know, I don't, I don't be on the phone, but I heard and they, uh, one lady texted back and said that she was talking to a 17 year old and she had told him that she was 16 and that kind of, it got angry, angry because you can get your, I told her that you can get yourself hurt by 
lying about your age because there's predators out there. And then I'm fearful that they can come take her, you know, that she's um, lying about her age, that that can get her in danger. You know what I mean? So I I did that when I did it, you know, when I was younger. And and it turned out I went through a lot from that. Because I did that, so I, I just, it just seemed like it's, I see it right coming back through her, and I just yeah. don't have to do that because it's predators out there that don't care. You like you said, you're beautiful. Her dad is not really in her life, so you're a beautiful girl. You know, go to school, and I'm just telling her to do this. You know, try to go to school. Don't be on the internet saying you're older than that you're not. This be your age right now, and you're going to grow up, but you need God. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm really struggling with that, you know, trying to um, be a grandmother, um, you know, getting my, my heart clean to uh, be able to help them through their teenage life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, I, I, I understand. I understand what you're asking now. The, the thing is that... <clears throat> If you don't understand how the internet works, and and there are, I'm not I'm not saying that you're in this camp, but if you don't know how, then you can go to your local library, and they can sit you down and explain to you what you don't understand, and how people, you know, contact each other. When when you hear the word apps, that's short for applications, and the applications. Or the, or the titles that, or that's that's the set of different software packages that'll do different things. Like there's there are dating apps where you go on, you sign in, and you can meet different people because you tell them it's like computer dating. You give mm-hmm. them certain answers to certain questions that they ask, and then all that information gets jumbled up. <coughs> Excuse me. And whoever wants to meet somebody with these characteristics, they have your name. All fine and good. But, I mean, you can do that on the Internet. You can do that at the basketball court. You can do that in the basement of the church when, you know, Third Baptist comes over to Second Baptist for fellowship and the young people are meeting downstairs for cake and punch. You can do that in in the singles ministry, you know, and people may not uh, act as if they're older than they really are. Sometimes they act like they don't have kids like they really do. Some act like they're divorced for they really are. You know, that never changes about the human dynamic. It's just that the best way to do this is to get on your knees and pray that God protect them and open their heart to instruction. Because if you hammer this, I I, I don't know the children involved. I don't want to be hollering at to where they won't talk to me and they will be hiding stuff. Lisa, 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 Yes. Lisa, hold on. Andrew, this is Didi. 
so that we don't keep prolonging it because it's almost eight o'clock. Um, we can we can actually address this on one of the other ministry calls, um, Lisa, because there's a lot okay. to this subject. Okay, okay, so go ahead, Andrew. Okay, what what I'm saying is, uh, before you start, before you can instruct people on something that they're going to be new to, also, you got to know that better than to just say, "Don't do this." Uh, you have to first pray that God protect them and get those prayers down before, you know, like the, the, the ladies in your ministry, they can help you directly. <clears throat> but in terms of uh, you saying, like, don't do this, don't do that, like, we can do this other ways. It's, it's, it's the, act, the act that, you know, you're sort of opening out a door for something that could be potentially dangerous. And even if it's not dangerous, it can be life altering. You know, a young, a young person with a baby, whether they be male or female, that changes your life drastically, either by what you do or what you don't do. So in this situation, it's best to, again, stay with the first three verses of the lesson we went over this morning, that you please God, and you do what God says to do first. And the first thing is, we need to pray. We need to pray their protection. We need to pray that their eyes get open before you start saying, hey, don't do that, because they may not hear that. If you ask God to soften their heart, you know, there is no limitation. Okay, so Andrew, can I chime in? Andrew, this Thank is Rochelle. You. I wanted to chime in. I wanted to encourage Lisa that um, whoever phone plan, well, first, Andrew said it first, so pray, petitioning God and thanking him for um, setting the order um, and giving, crowning their heads with wisdom so they would know when they know better to do better. Um, also, I have a 13-year-old, and what we do is, I'm, I'm sure they don't have their own phone. I'm sure she may be, they may be on your plan, or um, let me have someone uh, mute their line. It's a lot of background noise. Um, but if you are the owner of their phone lines, there are certain apps that you can block um, as a parent, as a um you know, the person who pays the bill, just be mindful and go through their phone sometime and encourage them that, you know, these are things that can potentially put you in harm and pray over it. Don't badger them. Um, Andrew said it first when um, we have to uh, allow them to be in a safe zone with us to be able to come and talk to us and share things with us without being uh, embarrassed, without, you know, saying things that will turn um, them away from us. So we have to be wise. We have to seek God in all things and, and ask him, you know, to gird your tongue and to give you the right conversation for them. It is him. It is, it is God that, you know, changes uh, the king's heart. It is him that directs. So you have to allow God to do it, but you have to be intentional about talking to him. We are guardians. We, even though we may have spared children, we are still guardians, and he is still our father. So we have to pray and trust that whatever, you know, he's not going to let them lead them astray. But check out the app. Make sure you just look at their phone and monitor what they're doing. It might not stop it. 
but it'll make it a little harder for them to get get on certain sites and do certain things. So just ask the God, ask God for wisdom and what direction to go. But always pray first. Okay, thank Alisa, you. This is another thing too that when you said you're screaming, whenever you're trying to you know get your kids to follow or do something that you want to do, they tune out when you scream. My children are grown, and I know by that. The internet wasn't like it is now, so all you can do is pray like Andrew said, but don't um, make them feel like they can't come to you and share, because there's a whole bunch of scary stuff. That's all I was trying to say earlier. This big old, what you're talking about now is a whole thing. It's not just, you know what I mean? It's so much to this, because there's kids that are being sex trafficking, sex trafficked because they're trying to sneak behind their parents or grandparents. So that's what I'm saying. Just be mindful so that they can trust you to say, hey, grandma, this is off. But like you said, if you don't even understand how it works, that's where you need to get wisdom um, yeah. and then pray for them. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody. Uh, it's late in the morning. So, again, apologies for keeping anyone longer than they they. Uh, intended to stay, uh, and for those that had to leave early, we'll whisper prayer for them also. But I thank everyone for staying with me this long. Uh, appreciate you allowing me to be part of your morning, and please pray my strength in the Lord that uh, the blessings continue to flow. So if there be nothing else, we will all unite our minds and hearts and we'll close out in prayer. Our Father, our God, our Creator, you who openeth and no man shut, and you who shut and no man openeth, we thank you for your grace and your power. We thank you for your reign and your rule. We thank you for the love that you have towards us, and we thank you for sustaining us as you have. We ask that you go before us, Father, and make easy our way, how you lift us and keep us, Strengthen us and stand by us. Father God, help us to impact the lives of others today. Help us to make someone's day nicer, Father. Help us to protect someone, Father, that they shed no tears. And help us to smile at someone and lift their hearts. Thank you, Father, for all you're doing. Thank you for all that you will do. Thank you for accomplishing in our lives that which will make our lives sweet in your, in your eyes and to save it before your throne. In Christ's name we pray, Father God, protect us as we leave, protect us as we return. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Andrew. Have a favorable day, everyone. God bless you. Have a rich and powerful day, y'all.
singing the truth, praying for our youth, heaven bent, supporting one another, a living faith is what this life promotes, committed to press on, reaching life, forgiving one another, while staying on our knees, for it's God we aim to please, we are declared the 
walking in the truth, praying for our youth, heaven bent, supporting one another, a living faith is what this life promotes, committed to press on, reaching life, forgiving one another, while staying on our knees, for it's God we aim to please, we are declared the 
the truth, praying for our youth, heaven bent, supporting one another, a living faith is what this life promotes, committed to press on, reaching life, forgiving one another, while staying on our knees, for it's God we aim to please, we are declared the 
the truth, praying for our youth, heaven bent, supporting one another, a living faith is what this life promotes, committed to press on, reaching life, forgiving one another, while staying on our knees, for it's God we aim to please, we are declared conference has reached its maximum duration and will end in one minute. Declare 